Good evening, and thanks for joining us tonight. We begin the show tonight bearing some bad news. The news broke out today a prominent icon, Rush Limbaugh, who has been battling lung cancer since last year, has passed away. Rush really helped shape the Republican Party to what it is now today, and he championed right-wing media culture and talking points to what we know today, to much of his credit. Rush received the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President Trump a little more than a year ago. Your work has inspired me and many others. Thank you and rest in peace. Our topics tonight include Joe Biden's two-faced speech about his policy towards China, saying one thing while saying the other to different crowds. And we might have a clue as how he will approach dealing with Xi Jinping. Then we discuss Trump's harsh criticism of Mitch McConnell, the Senate leader for Republicans. Just days after the Senate acquittal of his impeachment, Trump is planning his next move. Then we discuss the energy issue in Texas amid this winter storm, after the state faces a once-in-a-lifetime cold situation. Let's begin tonight with President Joe Biden, who spoke at a CNN-hosted town hall last night, and when asked about his China policy and the call with Chinese leader Xi Jinping, in particular related to the mass persecution against religious minorities, Joe Biden had a different take on what China is doing in its human rights violation. Let's hear it. You know, Chinese leaders, if you know anything about Chinese history, it has always been the time when China has been victimized by the outer world is when they haven't been unified at home. So the central, to vastly overstated, the central principle of Xi Jinping is that there must be a united, tightly controlled China. And he uses his rationale for the things he does based on that. I point out to him, no American president can be sustained as a president if he doesn't reflect the values of the United States. And so the idea, I'm not going to speak out against what he's doing in Hong Kong, what he's doing with the Uyghurs in western mountains of, of uh, China and Taiwan trying to end the one China policy by making it forceful. I, I said, and by the way, he said he, he gets it. Culturally, there are different norms at each country and they, their leaders are expected to follow. And now, if you have heard enough Chinese foreign ministry rhetorics, this might sound a little familiar. In fact, this is almost the same as the official answers. Biden says they are culturally different norms. Well, what exactly does that mean? Well, according to a recent press conference by the Chinese foreign ministry, the spokesperson called the recent exposure by the BBC on Uyghur concentration camps and systemic persecution, including torture, rape, sterilization, and religious conversion, a hoax. And he says, they are education and vocational training centers, denying the human right abuses. What Biden calls culturally different is in fact what China has been calling the education reforms. Now the difference in culture in their words signals the conversion from Uyghur culture towards communist Chinese culture, and thus destroying any heritage to the religion, the heritage, the, the legacy of the region. Now see the similarity in the way Biden speaks for the Communist Party. This shows that clearly Biden does indeed lean very close to the Chinese propaganda machines. Now this is a video of Uyghur kids chanting, My mother is China, we love China in allegedly a concentration camp.
Now, if killing and torturing religious individuals or groups or ethnic minorities is a called a culturally different norms, how is that different than justifying the Nazis' killing of the Jews? The Chinese Communist Party has a massive history of murdering their own citizens. In fact, the persecution against Falun Gong, Uyghur Muslims, Tibetans, and House Christians are no different than that of the persecution against the Jewish community by the Nazis. So how can Biden call it a culturally different norms? Why? What would happen if the CCP gives Biden more benefits? Is he just going to allow them to do whatever they want? Now listen to the second clip from the same town hall. Biden again toots around his policy towards China. Even though he says he will speak up against Chinese, uh, China's violations, it doesn't even sound like he means what he says. Listen to this. There will be repercussions for China, and he knows that. What I'm doing is making clear that we, in fact, are going to continue to reassert our role as spokespersons for human rights at the UN and other, other agencies that have an impact on their attitude. China is trying very hard to become the world leader. And to get that moniker and to be able to do that, they have to gain the confidence of other countries. And as long as they're engaged in activity that is contrary to basic human rights, it's gonna be hard for them to do that. Notice how he quickly changes the topic to China wanting to become a world leader, shifting it slightly away. And he wants to deal with China's human rights issues through the UN. I mean, for the last 20 years, the UN has heard multiple cases of human rights abuses and violations in China, and yet they have failed to act in any significant matter in terms of that would actually affect the outcomes. And China has been allowed to continue doing what they have been doing with while well, both the UN and under the Obama administration quote-unquote criticized them. In fact, I think Pompeo might have been the first person from, a Trump, uh, from the Trump administration but from the US in a very long time to meet with the Chinese leaders and actually talk about human rights abuses and in particular with those groups with the Chinese leaders. Again, the contrast between the Trump administration and the Biden administration, less than a month in, we're already seeing the changes. And this is why the closer you are to China, the more corrupted it becomes for the country. Reversing Trump's decoupling strategies with China is going to place more burden in the American economy than actually helping. And it's a more of a burden on the religious groups and minorities in China too, as they now face more pressure by the internal Though the relaxation of the US-based sanctions, the internal pressure is much higher. And we can expect more ramped up behaviors from China as soon as Biden lifts those sanctions that were put in place. And this is the problem. This is also after an official White House statement that says the Vice President Kamala Harris is now taking world leader calls instead of Biden. So why is the vice president so quick to handle calls to the world leaders less than a month in after Biden becomes the president? And we probably can see that Biden is a puppet pretty much in terms of the people around him are so evil and they're using him as a figurehead. And are we so quickly seeing that the takeover from Kamala Harris is going to happen maybe two months into the presidency? Most people that watch me or any other channel might know this already, and I've said it before too. The state of the presidency has always been Harris-Biden and not Biden-Harris. 
and Biden's China policy is one of those closest defendants to Xi Jinping, at least until we see some real actions like what we saw with the Trump administration. On our second topic today, on Tuesday, President Trump released a lengthy statement criticizing harshly of the Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell. And this comes after McConnell's Senate floor speech calling for Trump to be criminally investigated. Trump started off strong with, the Republican Party can never again be respected or strong with political leaders, in quotes, like Senator Mitch McConnell at its helm. McConnell's dedication to businesses as usual, status quo policies, together with his lack of political insight, wisdom skill, and personality has rapidly driven him from majority leader to minority leader, and it will only get worse. The Democrats and Chuck Schumer play McConnell like a fiddle. They've never had it so good, and they want to keep it that way. We know our American first agenda is a winner, not McConnell's Beltway first agenda or Biden's America last. Right away, Trump called for the Republican voters to recognize where McConnell is standing in terms of what to offer to the party, but more importantly to the right side of the political spectrum. Now Trump has a few possible motives regarding to why he sent this letter out so early. And I'll go into details on that just in a bit. Now Trump continued, Mitch is a dour, sullen, and unsmiling political hack. And if Republican senators are going to stay with him, they will not win again. He will never do what needs to be done or what is right for the country. Where necessary and appropriate, I will back primary rivals who espouse making America great again and our policy of America first. We want brilliant, strong, thoughtful, and compassionate leadership. Now, Trump added that the GOP under McConnell's leadership will never do what needs to be done in order to secure a free and fair electoral system in the future, adding that the Republican from Kentucky has no credibility on China because of his family's substantial Chinese business holdings. The former commander-in-chief was likely referring to McConnell's wife, Elaine Chao, who served in the Trump administration as Secretary of Transportation and resigned on January 7th. Now, Chao reportedly has deep ties to China through its family's businesses with the foremost group. Okay, so the first reason why Trump released this is indicating that he is going to be fully involved in getting the majority back in 2022. Now, the first move is probably kicking off Mitch McConnell from its leadership position in the next election cycle. Now, since every two years, the leadership position has to be re-voted on, this is also why Lindsey Graham is so active these days in terms of calling for Trump and advocating for the GOP to follow Trump. Now, Graham may be looking to be running for the leadership position. Now, McConnell has obviously lost his trust in the GOP, well, at least in the Trump wing. And with the voters, despite that he still has those six years of his Senate term, he is going to be facing a lot of pressure from his contestants to his leadership role. Others who might be also aiming at the leadership position could also include Rand Paul, Ron Johnson, Ted Cruz. And these are top Trump backers in the current situation. Now, at least the vocal ones. As well, it's a lot of public attention on Mitch McConnell. Immediately after the letter released, Kentucky's Nelson County GOP released a statement calling for McConnell to resign from the leadership role. Nelson County GOP head Don Thrasher released on Tuesday, I do not take this action lightly and understand the ramification in doing so. Nothing that he received Trump's statement about McConnell's leadership 
As the highest ranking Republican in that position, you are de facto leader of the National Republican Party. The overwhelming number of Republicans in Nelson County are not on your side on this issue and I speak on their behalf. Writing that McConnell's leadership does not represent the Republican voters that put our faith in you in the last primary election, before asking the Senate Republican leader to resign. Now Trump has declared that he will be engaging in the midterm selection for candidates, and so he has a second reason to do this as well. The second reason is that whether or not he chooses to engage in 2022, he has to prepare for 2024. And there is no other way to prepare for 2024 than to have a full majority in the Senate and the House. But he has to clean house first. The states like Georgia, Kentucky, New Hampshire are looking to kick out the rhinos. Trump is going to be looking for candidates that are going to be following the Trump MAGA policies. And this includes states like North Carolina, where Lara Trump looking like a very strong contender for the Senate there. Now the third reason is quite simple actually. Trump is testing his actual support in the GOP, and it will help him evaluate what are the real percentage of the GOP caucus that are still truly friendly to him and what are the percentage that are against him. Some might even think it's even too early right now to show any signs for running for 2024. But I had viewers mention to me that despite all this, the entire election might still be rigged against Trump, which could very well still be true. But I think there has been serious concerns and talks among the, the Trump circle regarding how to prevent the next election from being repeated in terms of the election stuff with the 2020 election. Now otherwise, why would Trump want to run again in a rigged election? And it doesn't make sense. It would be even more random if he doesn't run to actually quickly jump out to attack the Senate leader if he doesn't have a high confidence at the fact that there will be a huge number of the GOP caucus that would back the decision to, to kick off Mitch McConnell. And Trump listed McConnell's list of failures to uphold GOP standards over the last four years. So just leaving out his shortcomings to get someone else in right now without considering running for the future election, he, he's, he wouldn't do that. And he mentions that the election in the future needs to be free and fair in his statement, so this means that the only way for that to actually happen is through legislations where both the House and the Senate gains the Republican majority. That way they can actually pass the laws to do so. And if you think about it, Trump has been meeting resistance from McConnell ever since Mitch saw that the election was pivoting towards Joe Biden in his eyes. So he started to vote against Trump's actions. For example, like overriding the veto to the National Defense Authorization Act and the stimulus plans. And this angered Trump very much. Now this letter shows a level of confidence from Trump that he knows his support within the GOP is better than ever. And he knows that House Leader Kevin McCarthy, who he met just last month, is going to be a strong base for rallying representatives behind Trump. Because McCarthy recognizes the unique position Trump has to influence voters and supporters of the GOP. And if McConnell cannot wake up to this reality and thinks that the, uh, the establishment still has any chance at going back to getting the GOP back, he's going to be in for a surprise when they find out that Trump can just place him with someone else. Now I want to turn our attention to the frozen problem in the southern US states. Texas along with a few other states have been hard hit by the frozen wave of winter storm, causing pipe bursts, loss of heating and power, 
and it's particularly bad in Texas as wind turbines have apparently gone completely out of usage due to the freeze. Now, federal regulators and Texas Governor Greg Abbott announced investigations in the midst of a historic power outage crisis caused by the extreme cold in the central United States. The governor called for an emergency reform of the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, ERCOT. That they were not reliable. These are experts, these are engineers uh, in, in the power industry. Uh, these aren't bureaucrats or whatever the case may be. These are specialists. Uh, and government has to rely upon these specialists to be able to deliver in these types of situations. Separately, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission and the North American Electric Reliability Corporation opened an inquiry into the grid operations during the extreme winter weather conditions currently being experienced by the Midwest and South Central states. The severe cold weather over the weekend and continuing into this week has contributed to power outages affecting millions of electricity customers throughout the region. Dan Crenshaw, a U.S. House representative, summarized the situation in a series of tweets. He says, A mix of oversubsidized wind energy and overinvestment in gas power means we didn't have enough baseload energy for a massive spike in demand. Also, Texas infrastructure isn't designed for a once-in-a-century freezes. He then says, West Texas has wind turbines that has to be de-iced. The little energy that power regulators planned on being supplied from wind was now gone. And we have almost 31 gigawatt of wind installed on the grid. But on Monday, we couldn't even depend on 6 gigawatt to work. To make matters worse, existing storage of wind energy in batteries was also gone because batteries were losing 60% of their energy in the cold. Bottom line, renewable doesn't work well in extreme weather. Never well. He also says, nuclear also got too cold. We only have four nuclear units in Texas, near Houston and Dallas. One of the reactor near Houston turned off due to a sensor safety. No problem with the reactor, but the lack of the sensor forced the plant to shut down as a precaution. Even natural gas plants stayed online. The downed plants were due to misscheduled maintenance. Governor Abbott made the right call in diverting all natural gas to home heating fuel and then electricity for homes. Gas and coal brought a stable supply of energy, but still not enough. Why we don't have extra gas when we need it most? Because years of federal subsidies for wind has caused an over-reliance on wind and an underinvestment in new gas and nuclear plants. Bottom line, fossil fuels are the only thing that saved us. They're baseload energy, and if we are even more reliant on the wind turbines that froze, the outage would have been much worse. And Texas has been pushing towards renewable energy sources like wind for a very long time. And this is now a slap to the face of the green energy policy and the industry itself over this unpredictable weather conditions. Now, Biden's push for green energy is facing a huge problem that they always seem to skim over, the practicality in real-life situations. And this time in Texas, that's a testament to that. Can green energy really address the climate change issues? And at what cost? South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem says, We need an all-of-the-above energy approach. I support wind and solar, but they aren't consistent enough to be our primary energy source. They can't provide enough power to heat our homes during the winter, and we're seeing that play out across the country right now. The likelihood of a green energy-powered city, let alone a state, is going to require the operation in a perfect condition in terms of always being sunny, 
always being windy for the all year round maximum efficiency, which I assume doesn't happen in the real world. And in a situation like this, local power is what saved the power state, let alone the cold which the state was not prepared for with its green energy infrastructure. And that is it for tonight. Thanks so much for watching tonight's episode. Thanks for your continued support of Beyond the Noise and have a wonderful evening. Take care. See you tomorrow.